Hello and thank you for listening to Cinephiles Digest. This is episode 87 and on this week's show, it is the best of 2020 blowout spectacular. We're going to have top 10 lists. We're going to have some awards that are going to be coming out. It's going to be huge. I'm sure we'll get into some other things as well. But first things first, let me introduce my co-host, Tom. What's going on, man? Uh, not much, dude. Just had some tasty pasta, you know, to fuel fuel my fire. Me too. I had like a Tuscan herb chicken linguine. It's pretty good. Oh. Pretty good. And uh, Travis, how are you feeling, bud? You ready for this? We made it. The list is <laughs> perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Got it in just under the wire. This is uh, my favorite time of the year. Um, oh yeah. One could say the rest of the year is just lead up to this moment. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we've got the list locked. Honestly, is it lead up or is it a, a steady decline from a, a high that you experience around mid January? I mean, yeah, that's basically how it is. You know, it's like a. Uh, uh, it's just downhill from. It here. just increases. I cream and then I brought get brought back down to earth and I have to deal with life. But then movies come out and I watch movies and, you know, I already have the first entry to the 2021 list. So, I mean, we're off to a strong start oh, this man. year. It's huge. Although I don't know if it counts. Tom, you might be interested. I watched uh, that uh, Tony Parker documentary on Netflix. <laughs> you heard of this? <laughs> Top 10 worthy. <laughs> uh, no. Tell me more. I didn't realize this, um, but Ta- Tony Parker is not a very interesting guy. He's just, he, he got he had a whole ass yeah. documentary made about him, and it just seems like he's a nice guy who was good at basketball. Like, well, I mean, I, <laughs> I didn't nice-ish. need a documentary. Well, yeah, he I mean, did cheat he's on his wife. Evil Longoria, he, right? Yeah. He, he's so ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. He would. He won final. I remember him winning Finals MVP in one of the Spurs championship runs. Mm-hmm. You know, and they had won like every year for the past fifteen years. <laughs> That's an exaggeration, obviously, but it, it was pretty bad. And I remember him just talking about how like no one gave the Spurs respect. It's <laughs> just like Tony, you just won Finals MVP. Just shut up. Just accept your trophy. You win every year. Everybody knows the Spurs are amazing. You're boring. There's no getting around that. But uh, uh, that's just that's what I remember about him. See, that 60-second distillation of Tony Parker was more illuminating than the 110-minute-long <laughs> documentary about his career. It was a was fluff he, piece. It was, was he garbage. involved in things like outside of the NBA that were notable? Because I feel like his career is really not that, you know... Uh, it's impressive, but it's not that interesting. Um, I don't know if you know this, Tom, but Tony Parker is the Michael Jordan of French basketball. So, uh, yeah, he had a life. <laughs> is that why you watched it? Like, I don't understand why you watched this over I needed, so many other things. I <laughs> needed something on while I worked. You know how it goes. Uh, okay. No Tiger? No Tiger Doc? Tiger Doc just came out, right? I think so. Yeah. No, I didn't, didn't get the Tiger Doc in. Mm. We'll get we'll we'll get there. You got the Tony Parker. I got the Tony <laughs> Parker doc in. You know priorities. <laughs> Must see. Um. So we are going to be uh, 
doing a roundtable reveal of our top 10 films of the year. But before we get into the picks, let's talk about the year 2020 in general. Um, Kind of a weird year. Um, I think you both agree. Uh, 2020 was a year. And, um, you know, movies were happening. Um, I do think one of the good things to come out of everybody being stuck at home is that it gave some airplay to maybe some films that would not have gotten as much uh, kind of momentum and hype behind them. Like, I feel like I saw a lot of good to great films this year, but not... At the very tippy top, the highest caliber films, not not a ton to choose from. I do think it was a solid year overall, but you know, a lot of the a lot of the good stuff either got delayed or or um, you know, just we haven't seen it yet. Has it isn't coming out in theaters until February, March. You know, it's been a weird year. But how did you guys feel about the year in film, two thousand twenty? Uh, I would pretty much agree with what you said. Um, we didn't get a ton of blockbusters and a lot of stuff was delayed. Um, I also wasn't inspired to watch a lot of new movies, uh, even though that they were right there at my fingertips. But in the last month or so, I did a lot of cramming, probably watched, I don't know, 30 movies or so in the last month, all 2020 releases. And um, I found quite a few good movies. I love my top 10, but if you were to compare the movies in my top 10 to some other movies from previous year's top 10s, I don't know if they would hold up to those. Uh, maybe a mm-hmm. few of them, but not all 10. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I think it was still a solid year given the circumstances. Still a lot of good stuff out there. Totally. And uh, what about you, Tom? Not only was there a pandemic, but your young father... Stuck at home, you know, managing the work life, family balance. Not as yeah. much time for, for movie watching this year, but uh, what are your thoughts? I did not. I did not watch hardly any movies. Um, I didn't think it was a very good year for film. <laughs> from your 15 film sample size? <laughs> from my perspective, um, I think it's 11, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to hear this top ten. I mean, I, mean, <laughs> I watched nice. more than eleven movies, but twenty twenty releases, yeah, that's uh, pretty pretty grim. Um, I think it. What will be notable about this year for me is what it ends up doing to film going forward. You know, like mm-hmm. more VOD releases. Are we going to see? Uh, is this going to have an impact on like the big blockbuster? How long before the theater experience is back to normal? Like, uh, I don't even remember. What's the thing that we all used to watch movies for cheap? AMC A-List? Is that what I was using? A-List, yeah. 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 Okay. So I just remembered that just now. I almost said movie pass. Um, <laughs> that's how far removed I am from this whole thing. So I have a, um, I have a, I can do one of two things. I think I know what Matt wants me to do. I have a top five that I'm not embarrassed of. (laughs) And I have five (laughs) other non-2020 releases that I haven't talked about on the show before that I like better than anything else I saw in 2020. Or I have a top 10. 
Um, hmm. I mean, I'll leave it up to you, dude. If you want to do like a, the top 10 films watched in 2020. I mean, you do you what? think I'm that'd be gonna, more interesting? No, I'm just going to do my top 10. I'm just going to do that. <laughs> it's going to be awful. You could do your two top fives, though. Rather than just say, like, I watched this movie in 2020 and I thought it was bad, but it had to make my list. <laughs> I don't know how interesting that'll be. So, <laughs> Well, I mean, we could we could do both. I mean, when we're doing the roundtable, maybe give your top 10 of 2020. And then when we get to the end, you can say, you know, some of those other movies that you're referring to, like the best film, the the best watches of 2020. Because I am sure. I am curious. Um but just for the purposes of the exercise. <laughs> uh, they won't really be surprises for you. I think I have actually talked about all of these on the show now that I think about it. So no, there's no surprises there. I'm just going to do my, my shitty top 10. That's what it's going to be. I can't wait. <laughs> um, okay. So are, are we ready to, to get into this thing? I'm ready. Okay. Um, I... Tom's not. <laughs> I can go first. Uh, I don't remember what we did last year, but I can go first. Um, so before I reveal my number 10 pick, um, I do need to say that I think my top five could hang in any other year. But the, like the six through 15 was very loosey-goosey. There was a lot of movement. Um so having said that, my number 10 is definitely a statement pick. I went with a film that nobody's talking about anymore and I think needs to be shown some love. It's, it's a great piece of work. I loved it. Um, the movie that I have chosen to slot into this number 10 pick is The Lodge. i love the lodge uh i gave it a 4.5 back in february i don't know if it was the last film i saw in the theater but it's close Uh, i'd have to check my diary um it might be sonic the hedgehog or i don't know whatever it was the lodge was very close and loved it i love the atmosphere i love the music it is Kind of a silly film. Uh, I don't know how it's going to hold up on a rewatch, but I just had to go with my heart on this one. Nobody's talking about The Lodge anymore, so I felt, you know what? I'm going to throw this movie a bone. It's been a weird year. Why not put this one at number 10? Um, Is it a flawed film? Yes, but I think it's very effective and um, love the the atmosphere of it. one of the best, uh, it's not a jump scare, but one of the most shocking moments in film in 2020 occurs in The Lodge. I'm sure you guys know what I'm talking about. Happens like 15 minutes into the film. Um, oh, yes. It was huge. Um, <clears throat> I love it. It's creepy. I'm, I'm a well, big Matt, Lodge fan. I applaud you for uh, going against the grain and giving a movie a spotlight that didn't really have one. (laughs) (laughs) See, there were other films that were in the mix, but 
you know, uh, I'll do honorable mentions at the it's end. It's more fun this way, right? I had to, you know, that's what number 10 is for, right? It's, uh, yeah, I mean, it was a brave choice. Yes, thank you f- for applauding my bravery. I did, uh, I did really want to like this movie, but uh, it was not for I or Tom. Saw it together. <laughs> uh, but that being you know what? said, The Lodge <laughs> is my number 10 movie. Yes! Oh <laughs> Poetic justice. Put it in a podcast. Come on. <laughs> yeah, let's hear about I, the lodge. Your I number spoke 10 too soon. I'm sorry, Tom. Take it away. <laughs> I gave the lodge two stars. Uh, I thought it was <laughs> laughable. Here we go. Um, but of the four or five two-star movies that I had to choose from, it had oh the God. best <laughs> moment, which this Matt already talked about. <laughs> Um, wow, that was the highlight of so, the movie. Yeah, absolutely. Do you remember that scene? <laughs> Mild spoilers. She's delirious. She's out on the ice. She sees Jesus or whatever in the window. <laughs> yeah. Oh God, Travis and I just looked at each other and just giggled. <laughs> that it's was amazing. the defining moment. Yeah. You know what? Now that I know what to expect, I might like The Lodge on a rewatch. Yeah, maybe a little bit more. I feel like The Lodge is a movie like I could show Sarah or somebody who's who's kind of you know doesn't like horror movies um, that you can maybe get away with. I don't know. I wasn't I wasn't ready for the silliness. No. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that Jesus scene, that's when I knew there was no redeeming the movie. That's when I knew there was no like, oh, I'm going to end up loving this or whatever. It, it was just, <laughs> it was just good times from then on. It just, you know, I understand this is, this movie is high art and that scene just, it went over <laughs> your head, Tom. I, I get it. <laughs> but I implore you to give the film a second watch. I mean, do you remember that scene early on, the found footage, like uh, walking through the cults with the bodies, with the sheets? And, I'll oh, give it to so you. That was effective. So good. And that part with like the church music where it's like dead quiet and then just like ear piercing, like, I don't even remember what it, it was, like bells and like, it sounded like a church hymn or something. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I think there was some... Uh... Gosh, what's that instrument that they play in the churches? You organ? Know? Pipe organ? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pipe organ. Mm-hmm. Pipe organ action. Yeah, That's somebody good. just laid all ten fingers on that as hard as they could out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> Took a page out of Hans Zimmer's book. <laughs> <clears throat> well, cool. All right. The little, uh, a little synchronicity in our uh, top ten pick. I love it. What about you, Travis? Are you going to be a, a coward or a hero? What are you going to do? Coward. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, no, I'm giving an, another uh, smaller movie some love here at number 10. Uh, my number 10 is The Wolf of Snow Hollow, one of the few movies I hid on Letterboxd when I was doing my cram sesh. Oh, my God. <laughs> Did either of you catch up with this? Well, Tom, I know you didn't. But <laughs> um, I rented it like three weeks ago. Um, have not watched it. <laughs> Dude, it's only 85 minutes. You could have... I feel like this was right up your alley. Maybe not top 10 worthy, but... Well, you should have said... You should have fucking spoken up instead of hiding your thing. I rented First Cow today. That movie is boring as fuck. (laughs) 
<laughs> we'll get into it. Oh no, Travis. <laughs> <laughs> we lost this is you. about the wolf of snow <laughs> you fell out of love with movies and then when you came back out of the hole now you're fucking loving first cow uh, no, I'm hiding film reviews travis <laughs> yeah, the survivalist oh my god i had forgotten uh, right, what so a hero pick wolf of snow hollow love the setting it's got a snowy mountain setting um not similar to the lodge, really, but um, it did have snow, so I guess there's the connection there. Um, I it's it's kind of in the same vein as like a Fargo s type movie. It almost reminded me of like The Dead Don't Die and Zodiac a little bit because the the main thrust of the story is um, this like police officer is trying to figure out um, what's going on in this town because there's a bunch of murders and everyone thinks it's a uh, werewolf but he thinks that werewolves aren't real so he's like adamant to try and like figure this thing out um but i just thought it was really funny it was well shot um i also liked the editing there were some really cool images of um like some establishing shots or like nature shots that were super composed on each other um and like I said, it's only 85 minutes, so it didn't really overstay its welcome. It's just like the perfect little genre movie. Um, maybe not substantial enough to make most top tens, but for me, this was like one of the most entertaining movies of the year, and I didn't really find many faults to it. And it's a uh, nice little send-off for Robert Forster. It was, uh, I believe, his last role. Very cool. I wish I had... Uh... Made the time to squeeze it in, alas. I uh, just got to make sure I don't let that rental expire. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you got to watch it, but I don't know if it would have beat out The Lodge. That's a tough movie to take. Does That's Lodge true. <laughs> Stiff competition, but <laughs> who knows? We'll never know now. All right. Well, moving on to number nine. My number nine pick of the year is... Brandon Cronenberg's Possessor. This was one that we uh, discussed on the show a couple months back. Um, very creepy science fiction kind of body horror stuff. Um, reminiscent of David Cronenberg's, uh, Papa Cronenberg, uh, his oeuvre. Um, and I thought it was very... It, it felt very much like the work of someone with a very uh, specific vision in mind. I mean, everything from the score to the symbolism to the, um, the color palette, it's all very... Everything kind of works in tandem with one another, and it's a very eerie, moody piece that I thought was very effective. Um, did have a couple issues with it. I do think on a rewatch, you know, it could go one of two ways. I could, uh, forgive some of the things. Yeah. You know, it, it, I logged it as a 4.5 rewatch, you know, does it go up to a five? Does it go down to a four? We don't know, but one of those things is going to happen. So we'll see. Um, but as it stands, I thought possessor was, uh, very creepy. Um, I'm not going to call it high sci-fi. If anything, it's kind of 
low sci-fi i mean it's a <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's a you know it's a very simple premise and it's about you know a cd assassination organization that what do you how are you defining low sci-fi well, high sci-fi would be something like Annihilation or Ex, Ex Machina, Machina, you know. <laughs> okay. Something, this movie doesn't, I think Possessor doesn't really care about the universe it's establishing. Mm, mm. As opposed to less world high building. sci-fi. Yes. There's very little world building. I feel like it's it's less about the concept but. itself and more about tone this one's all it about is a tone. cool world even if it's not <laughs> oh it's a cool premise developed. yeah it, it's just a little undercooked it's a really cool premise um and it looks great and uh christopher abbott's the man um he's awesome in it andrea riseborough is awesome in it um just really solid i like possessor a lot that's that's my number nine see i would call possessor hard sci-fi because there's literally hard like... dicks in it, or ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we don't have to get into all the, the nitty gritty. Uh, all right, you done, Matt? Mm-hmm. All right, my number nine movie is The Devil All the Time. Um, I thought this movie was too long, and <laughs> I think I remember saying that it was kind of um you know overly dark uh with no real payoff just intended to make the viewer feel kind of miserable about the world um it stars a ridiculous um performance by robert pattinson and um i don't really remember what i liked about it but i did give it a two star so I don't know, you know if that <laughs> shows that you liked it. <laughs> it could have been worse. Devil all the time. That's true. That's true. <laughs> That's my review. It could have been worse. <laughs> Number nine film actually, of the year. Some people did actually like it quite a bit. Yeah, I I didn't see it on any like top ten lists that I saw, but there were some people it who had were its fans. Yeah. Definitely, people were uh, some people were loving this thing when it came out. But yeah, Devil All the Time is a turd. Glad to see it made your list, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, my number nine. So this one has actually fallen quite a bit, um, and it's probably just because it's the least fresh in my mind, and I didn't know quite where to put it. But number nine is Invisible Man. I thought it was one of the most tense movies of the year. Uh, it had great use of negative space. Uh, to create some more of that tension. Uh, I thought the restaurant scene was one of the best moments of the year. Uh, that was a standout mm-hmm. sequence. Elizabeth Moss killed it. Uh, I just, yeah, I thought it was a, a worthy remake. This is a, a remake I can get behind. I think it um, updates it in the right ways and like reappropriates it for like a modern audience with some of the themes and technology it's dealing with. Um, and I don't feel like genre movies of this caliber are ever this good, so we need to champion them when they are. Boom. Number nine. Good pick. Invisible Man. Um, you know, that that's in my, like, 15 to 20 range. Um, very solid. I liked Invisible Man a lot, but, uh, 
didn't make the list. Just uh, too much, uh, too much going on. Didn't squeeze her in. But uh, my number eight film of the year is a documentary. This is The Painter and the Thief. This was recommended to me by the fellas over at Suds and Cinema. Um, I, a couple months ago, was a guest on their podcast, and they mentioned it, and I had never heard of it, and they said they all loved it, and I had to see it, so I watched it like a week later, and absolutely loved it. Um, like the title suggests, it explores the relationship between a painter and a thief, and the thief stole one of her paintings, um, well, two of her paintings, it was him and one other guy, um, stole it, he got caught, did some prison time, they uh, meet and they develop a relationship, uh, platonic, um, but there are some Spoilers. of the most, <laughs> <laughs> some of the most moving scenes of the year, um, I, I didn't really expect know where the film was going um i thought i it was very um it's a it's a fly on the wall documentary you know the cameras are just kind of there while these two are having conversations or some of the most uh impressive stuff is when they're they're separated i mean there's a there's a long stretch of time where they uh are kind of out of touch with one another and we're kind of seeing their separate perspectives um you know and their struggles they've they've both been through a lot um trials and tribulations um it some some very moving scenes um it's a very humanist film right up my alley and uh i absolutely loved it painter and the thief is number eight matt i will admit full disclosure that um there's a few movies that i started and did not finish and this is one of them not because it was bad not that i wasn't liking it or enjoying it but i knew it wouldn't make the list and um i probably won't delve into it fully but there's a few dnfs for this year (laughs) really did not finish (laughs) (laughs) but it's because i was on a mission to create the uh the best top 10 I see. I think you're fucked, bud. I think you made a, a <laughs> horrible mistake because the reason I say that I'm going to circle back to it later in the show. Um, I came very close to a DNF and I saw it through and uh, it ended up very high on my uh, on my list. So uh, Ooh. I think you may have fucked up, bud. I'm curious what the other DNFs are, but I will alert you too to the uh, the close call that almost uh, the film that almost never was. I love my ten though. They're they're my babies, so I don't know. It's hard to say at this point. All right. Well, fair enough. I don't know if any Talking Heads doc is going to make my list. All right. Well, if any, if there was ever a year for it, it was this year, but. Uh, you're just not a doc head i get it you know never had a doc on your top 10 in your whole life hey the list ain't over yet we'll see oh my god (laughs) (laughs) just putting out some feelers all right tom let's hear your uh third two-star movie to make your top 10 list uh i actually gave this movie four stars whoa what's with the jump (laughs) 
<laughs> Did you really it's... only see four and up and two and down films this year? <laughs> like... No, I have. I, I did some things different this year. I have some out of order star rating to list placement situations. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, please explain. Oh, <laughs> you know, I'll explain as I go. Yeah. Okay. S- save the system explanation for later. I want to hear this number eight pick. All right. Number eight pick is Emma. Starring Ooh. Anya Taylor Joy. Um, you know, it's a clever, fine period piece. I'm a sucker for that. It's funny. It's heartwarming. It did all that, you know, well. Anya Taylor Joy is great. Um, I think what I remember most about this film is that it has constant um, narration from the novel. You know, just like running over the top of everything, kind of mm-hmm. like, um, kind of like Jane the Virgin. And I never quite got used to it. You know, like 10 minutes in, I'm like, am I going to get used to this? Or is this going to drive me crazy throughout the whole movie? Um, it didn't drive me crazy, but I, I didn't love it either. So that was a stylistic choice that I wouldn't have made. But uh, yeah, it's a good movie. If you like period pieces, this one will meet your, uh, it'll satisfy your needs. I uh, I caught up with that one like a week ago. Um it was fine, you know. It was, it looked pretty, and I liked the performances. But I don't know, man. Jane Austen, she just bores me to death. I've never read any of her novels, but I've seen probably four or five film adaptations at this point, and have not loved a single one. I just, uh, I don't you know. Didn't like, uh, you didn't like the Kara Knightley Pride and Prejudice? Uh, that one I have not seen. I know some people like that one, but. Oh, I love that one. Um, I just, I don't know. I, I think I rated it like a three, maybe a three and a half. Um, it was good. It just didn't really do anything for me. It was, it was funny and clever, but I don't know. It's, it's not just, the favorite. Yeah. Right? It's not the favorite. Oh my God. True that. It's not even in the same universe. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like I, you know, for me it was a four star movie, but it's not worth putting higher on the list. Sure. Cool. All right, Travis, what's your number eight? All right, this is uh, another one I struggled with its placement, but it's got to be on the list. It's uh, Christopher Nolan's Tenet as uh, my number eight. Some might think it should have been higher on my list, but uh, I'm somewhat conflicted with this one. It's not my favorite Nolan, but I do think it still is one of the best movies of the year. It has awesome action sequences, uh, I think the score is amazing. Uh, Nolan getting rid of Zimmer was a um, breath of fresh air. And uh, Ludwig Gorenson or whatever his name is, that dude is killing it lately. Um, he's the Mandalorian uh, guy, right? Yeah. <laughs> so keep up the good work there. Um, I just love the spectacle of it. It was like basically the only blockbuster I got or we got this year. Um, well, I mean, there's a few others, I guess, like Blood Fart and whatever <laughs> else was released that I didn't see. Uh, but yeah, I don't, I don't know if I uh, fully understood it even on rewatch, but I still really enjoy it and admire the complexity of it, especially for a mainstream blockbuster. And um, I saw Matt watched it well i don't want to spoil anything because i have no idea if it's on your list or not but uh maybe you can uh, speak more eloquently about it 
Um, I will be. Ooh, <laughs> a tease. As will I. Oh shit. Well, <laughs> you're listening. To <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> How pissed would you be if I left it off my list? <laughs> If the Lodge made it over Tenet, yeah, I would be pretty pissed. <laughs> you know, there's a right side and a wrong side of history, Tom. And uh, I hope you made I hope you made the right choice, Team Lodge. Well, according to Tenet, there's, uh, there's at least two sides. <laughs> you can be on them at the same time. Uh, fuck yeah. All right. Well, moving Nolan. on. Nolan? That's it. That's closing closing yeah. words, Nolan. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right, moving on to number seven of the year. This is another, uh, entry in Cram Jam. Uh, number seven for me is never, rarely, sometimes, always. Um, really impressed by this one. It's, um, another film that I loved, Unpregnant. Unpregnant is the kind of light, fun, road trip abortion movie of the year. Never rarely, sometimes, always is the bleak, real, uh, <laughs> depressing abortion road trip film of the year. Um, so, of course, I loved it. It was very moving. Uh, I There were a handful of films that uh, made me cry this year. Um, I'm sure we'll be talking about them uh, in one of our categories for uh, end of year awards, but the scene that made me cry harder than any other scene <laughs> is the titular scene from this film. Um, I'm not that going is to the scene of the movie. It will give it that <laughs> blew my mind. I thought I was so impactful. Um, I don't really know why it made me cry, but it just, I don't know. It was a really difficult scene and, I was very moved by it. Um, not to say that there aren't other impactful scenes in the film, but that was the um, the single most heart wrenching scene of the year for me. And uh, great performances. Love the way it looks. It's a very real, um, I think, important look at a topic that many women and young girls deal with at some point in their life. So I think it. Uh, did a very good job of not sugarcoating anything, but you know, it's 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 not a movie like Unpregnant that is you know kind of flip. I'm not gonna say flippant, but you know that movie is kind of light and has a uh, a particular approach to um, I don't know the the difficulty of, of of receiving an abortion. I guess if that makes sense. Uh, never really, sometimes, always doesn't doesn't pull any punches when it comes to that process. And I admire yeah, I, that. I will say though that yeah. I did appreciate that Unpregnant kind of followed two storylines. Like it was able to do the abortion storyline and another one on top of that, and just placing it as a road movie, I thought was a good idea as well. Um, that one also didn't make my list. Um, I know we're talking about never, rarely, sometimes, always, but um, I do think Unpregnant at least deserves a shout out since we're talking about it right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What what a year for abortion movies, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I didn't fall for that movie quite like you or the 
majority of peeps out there who are raving about it. But um, I do think that titular scene is amazing and probably one of the best uses of a title in a movie. I can't think of many other... Because sometimes, I mean, for the most part, it's usually corny, but this movie, it actually, like, excelled. Yeah, when it when it happened and it hit me, like, you know, everything fell into place, and I was like, oh, my God, that's, <laughs> that's kind of fucked up, but... I was very I was very moved by it. That's my number seven. Tom? Uh my number seven is Borat, subsequent movie film. <laughs> but, uh, uh this is my pop culture pick of the year. Um I don't know. I was impressed by the uh the pranks they were able to pull, the the just the balls on that guy. are noteworthy he's got some Um, great balls great balls uh and um you can see both his physical and metaphorical balls on display um (laughs) frequently um yeah i mean i don't have a ton to say about the movie it wasn't perfect uh by any means it got a little you know a little boring here and there and i think if if they hadn't pulled off what they did at the very end uh it would have been a lot less remarkable but in this particular year um sitting at home in quarantine you know disbelief at what you see on the news it was it was wel- a welcome addition to the top 10 very cool yeah borat um what a film. What a film. It won't make my list, but it was a very solid sequel. Um, definitely exceeded my expectations for a Borat 2. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think anybody was expecting um, the follow-up to be so um, so funny and, and, and relevant. Because um, they, they made it, well, not entirely, but at least in part during the pandemic. I mean, there's a scene where uh, they reference the coronavirus and then it kind of circles back at the end with, uh, we'll call it the twist. Um, just masterful film work. Just, wow. <laughs> <clears throat> what a movie. You know, I also thought um, the, uh, I forget her name, the actress, Maria T- Tudor. Maria ba- Bakalova. 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 Yeah, she was great too. Uh, oh, she yeah. she held her own and and was not. Um, Which is she tough wasn't to do. overly overshadowed <laughs> yeah. next to Sasha Baron Cohen, so she deserves props for sure. Totally. All right, my number seven is Black Bear. Now, Matt, you had f- every opportunity to watch this, so if you didn't, that's on you. Yeah, thank you. It is on me. Okay. <laughs> Just clear in the <laughs> air there. <laughs> uh, Matt, I could see you loving or hating this movie. Um, it seems like it's right up your alley, but I could also see you thinking it's like a, just a pale imitation of something that you love. Um, <laughs> so, I don't know. You're a hard one to pin down sometimes when it comes to loving or hating a movie. So, uh take that for what you will mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh i thought the movie looked amazing i love the score uh it i think it's pretty ambitious and original especially for a first-time director 
Uh, I thought the performances were great, especially Aubrey Plaza and Christopher Abbott. He had a great year overall. Uh, the first 45 minutes was probably one of my favorite things that I watched all year. Uh, it almost kind of reminded me of the overnight in a sense where there's just like couples hanging out, you know, over drinks and um, just uh, interesting conversations. Um, but the movie kind of takes a turn after that and then it takes another turn that I wasn't really expecting. So, um, yeah, I think there's different ways you can interpret it and it is somewhat of an abstract movie. Um, but I think it's mainly about just like the struggle of the creative process, especially when it comes to filmmaking. And, um, I don't know. I just, I just really liked it and, um, thought it was one of the best movies of the year. So that is black bear. Damn. Bummed. Uh, that sounds cool. I'm bummed. I didn't, uh, make time for it. But, uh, Very I'll curious, get around to Matt. it. Very curious. I'll watch it soon. Probably by the next time we record. I'll, uh, well, it's on my I'll voodoo forever, so you yeah. have all the time in the world. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I will uh, report back. Very cool. All right. That's uh, on to number six, yeah? Yep. My number six, Tom's number seven, Borat subsequent movie film. Uh, mm-hmm. Best comedy of the year. Perhaps the film of 2020. It's uh, hilarious. I was fucking dying at multiple points watching this movie. Um, Won't get too deep into it because we did um, have it as a featured review on uh, a previous episode. So if you want to hear my uh, in-depth thoughts on uh, the comedic genius of Borat's subsequent movie film, check her out on that episode. But um, I just... um, you know, it's one of one of the highlights of the year for me. I just that that experience trapped in the back room while there were a bunch of girls in my living room hanging out, drinking while I was stoned in the back, kind of <laughs> on the brink of a of a anxious breakdown. <laughs> I don't know if I talked about it on air, but <laughs> There was a, a birthday party that was hosted here. And don't get me wrong, we're talking like four or five people. Like not like a party party, but not a super spreader. No, no, no. no. <laughs> but you know, there were some loud girls in the living room and I thought it would be a good idea to get high and uh hide in the back office and watch this movie and uh god damn it, I was right. Best choice I made all year. It was <laughs> fucking <laughs> hilarious. Um loved it. And uh, can't wait to see uh, the next film in the uh, Borat Cinematic Universe. Give me huge. Sweet. Uh, number six, Tenet. Mm-hmm. I watched this last night. Can't wait to hear um, what you have to say about it, Tom. Because all you said last night was, what a movie. And you left <laughs> it at that. <laughs> Let, I need you before you uh, elaborate. Uh, I need to hear. Um, did you? Was this a rental? Did you rent it on? You know, I need to I know with a movie like Tenet. I gave him the, the creds with the four K. Yeah. yeah, I guess so. Okay, <laughs> that's that was the important part. Okay, you can proceed. Um, <laughs> excuse me. Okay. Uh, this movie was absurd, um, ridiculous, silly, uh, stupid. 
Very hard <laughs> to hear. <laughs> I I got so frustrated early on trying to understand just the words people were saying. Um, eventually, I gave up, and I'd only pop in and out when I really felt like I missed something important. Usually, it wasn't important. Um, I enjoyed uh, Robert Pattinson's outfits in the little intermission scene or, you know, in between mission type <laughs> scenes. It has sort of like this James Bond feel um, where like the the protagonist, uh, pun intended, <laughs> has to go to someone who can give them like some information, but not quite enough. You'll need to go figure out the rest yourself. Cut to we're in Berlin, you know, whatever. It was just, it was that for way too long. Uh, Nolan needs like an editor, maybe a different sound guy. Um, that being said, it was, it was impressive in scope. Uh, and, um, you know, I, I want to say more good things about it. I don't know why I have it this high. Um, but I was I pretty why. like, I was pretty bored during i was telling sarah about this movie afterward I, I was like so there's this huge battle at the end of this movie people are people are shooting people are going backwards there's explosions going off and uh and i and she said well who you know who were they fighting and i said i don't know she said why were they there i, said, I don't i don't know <laughs> i don't think i saw a single like enemy soldier the entire scene and it's like 15 minutes long i uh, i don't really understand why <clears throat> nolan thought this was a good idea but uh it sure is big <laughs> and i imagine we will have more opportunities to talk about it tonight but um yeah in a nutshell that's why i thought of tenet beautiful yeah very beautiful <laughs> hi travis number six another one i struggled where to rate it um i think i've fell at number six with this one just because i don't know if i feel as passionate about this one as some of my other picks some could argue this is the movie of the year um it's a select few but there are those people out there. It is I'm Thinking of Ending Things, directed um, by Charlie Kaufman. Yeah. <laughs> Was number one for a long time, uh, mostly out of necessity. <laughs> um, but I thought it was one of the richest texts of the year, also one of the most ambitious movies of the year. Lots of big ideas swirling. Uh, love the two lead performances. Uh kind of wish I would have rewatched it but I just don't know if I was quite ready you know when you're in the cram mode you you can't just like throw on I'm thinking of ending things if you know what I mean you gotta be in the right <laughs> headspace yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but I do think it's worthy of the list and I, that's probably why I just didn't rewatch it and cemented it on the list um, there's just so much packed into it uh, I love how dreamlike it is and um I just think there's a lot of ways to interpret it. Um, I also think it's a hard movie to recommend, but it is a rewarding experience if you get yourself over to it. Um, but yeah, I do think it's one of those movies that will benefit rewatches and just get better 
as time goes on. Um, so therefore it had to be in the top 10, at least somewhere. It's interesting that you say it's hard to recommend because I, I think it would probably be the last Charlie Kaufman movie I'd recommend to somebody. Like if you're just like at a bar or you're at a dinner party (laughs) or whatever. And like, you know, his, his movies are, um, very cerebral and can be a lot and definitely do turn some people off. But I think I'm thinking of ending things might be his most obtuse to, especially to someone who's not familiar with his work. Like I kind of want to ask somebody who was just scrolling through Netflix and they were like, oh, what should we watch tonight? The Wrong Missy? Um, maybe we the should put guard. on The Old Guard? Oh, what's what's this? I'm thinking of ending things. It's trending right now. Honey, it's trending. Maybe we should watch it. You know what I mean? Like, I would be so curious, somebody blind watching this movie, because it's a lot. So did you just describe your parents, Matt? <laughs> <laughs> they did not watch this film. <laughs> Honestly, I should tell them to. But then, see, it's not a true. It's it. That's not the true version right. of that you thought gotta, experiment because I pushed them there. Yeah, you know, they have to click it themselves. Yeah, but it's it's a hard movie yeah. to recommend. I think <laughs> for somebody. Sure. I think that person you're describing gets further through. I'm thinking of any things, and they do it through Anomalisa. You think so? Just like I'm, I'm done with this. Anomalisa, though, at least is. I don't know. There's, yeah, it's a weird film, but it's. uh, Anomalisa is um, unusual, not just in the fact that it's animated, but it also makes you feel uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. So if you don't know, you know why you're watching this movie, and you're put off by the animation, you're also just gonna have this general sense of discomfort (laughs) but you can at least watch anomalisa and i feel like if you don't entirely understand it thematically you at least mostly understand it from a story perspective right it's a pretty straightforward story i'm thinking of ending things like Mm. i don't know it's there's nothing (laughs) straight (laughs) well you still there travis Oh, we lost him. Oh, God. What has he done? It's his punishment. Can't tell if he just muted himself. I don't know if he was about to speak ill of Charlie Kaufman, but maybe that was, uh, if he was, I think God stepped in there. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Travis Paul has gone away. And it feels, and it feels like heaven so far away. Should I send him another invite? Well, you would know better than me. Does he? Will he still have access to that previous link I sent him, or do I need to send yeah, him? I mean, another it's one? just an email. I'm sure he can just go back to his email and click the button. All right, let me let me send him another one. I'm back. Real quick. I'm back. I'm back. Oh, I'm back. there he is. There he is. There he is. What happened? Um, Comcast is trash. That's what I'm gonna boil it down to it's a long story i don't care to get into it but (laughs) (laughs) all right well (laughs) welcome back um it's it's too personal i had i had to fill uh the airwaves with some uh questionable material there i had to sing so uh i apologize (laughs) i apologize to the listeners (laughs) for that it was worth it (laughs) 
<laughs> so we're we're here. We recovered. We're back. Yeah, that was your number six, right? What are we and talking now, about? <laughs> I'm thinking of many things. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Sorry, you kind of took it over there for a minute. <laughs> that was also well, okay. So, any other thoughts on I'm thinking of many things? Sorry, you know, you know how I feel. No, no, no. Everybody no, no, no. knows it's coming. It's coming. You're right good. You're good. You're 100 percent good. <laughs> um, no, that's all I had to say about uh, that movie at this point in time in my life. Cool. All right. Well, uh, let's move on to number five. So this is where my list really, really shines. This is where I um, I was creaming over my top five. I was loving it. So uh, number five for me is Bloody Nose Empty Pockets. Did either of you get a chance to watch this one? I have seen this actually, and I knew it would be on your list as I was watching it, <laughs> and I knew why you would like it. Well, why don't you? Uh, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I'm curious. Why don't you uh, review this film as me? What was going oh, through man. your head? Uh, well, first of all, it's set in a dive bar, which I know you are a fan of. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm assuming you just love the vibe slash setting of the movie. Mm-hmm. And you probably liked the cinema verite of it and some of the conversations that unfold on camera. Mm-hmm. Um, some uh, bangers on the uh, the old jukebox over there. Mm-hmm. That probably fills in most of the gaps, but if you want to do the rest, then uh, here's the floor. <laughs> so that was my number five pick, uh, Tom. <laughs> What's your number five? No, <laughs> um, I didn't. No, you're come on. You're you're spot on. I mean, it's. Um, I did think it was a very unique. I, I know films like this have been done in the past, but I I feel like this is the first time where it all kind of came together for my particular aesthetic. So, for those who aren't familiar with this film, it. It, it chronicles the last 24-ish hours of a dive bar in Las Vegas. And th- while you're watching it, it feels like a documentary. I mean, you literally see at multiple points in the film, like the camera dude, like in the mirror. Like they leave that in the film. Awkward. You know, the last yeah. 24 hours before it uh, is like condemned or something or what? Um, before uh, nuclear annihilation occurs. Mm. No, I'm just kidding. They, they go out of business. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, the last day they're going to be open. Um, and it's there's a lot of characters. I mean, there are some that you spend more time with than others. Uh, particularly, there's a gentleman who kind of lives in the bar. Like, he sleeps on the couch <laughs> in the bar. Um, and he kind of works there. A, a but, gentleman, you say. Yeah. He... <laughs> He's an interesting guy, and this this film is just full of interesting people. So it's just to provide a little context. Um, they're all non actors, so the filmmakers basically recruited these bar flies and brought them to Vegas to be in a movie. So most of what you see happening in the film is. I don't, I don't even want to go so far as saying it's improvised. I mean, they literally just let these people hang out in a bar and drink. Matt, so two, two questions real quick. Yeah. 
what would you classify this as? Mockumentary, it, documentary, drama? I would say it's a f- fiction documentary hybrid, but mostly fiction. I feel like the easier way to define it would just be mockumentary because it's a f- somewhat of a fake mockumentary, right? Yeah, or but... fake documentary. <laughs> I don't know. There's... um. But it's a, it would be a different kind of mockumentary if you were to say it is one. I don't know. It's weird to classify, I guess. See, you wouldn't you wouldn't call um like wreck or or as above so below as mockumentary cuz I feel like with mockumentary comes a humor? yeah, a humor. So like it's a, like a like a riff. It's a it's a a comedy that is riffing on the documentary format. I think this is a it's a fiction film, but watching it feels like the experience of watching a documentary. I mean it's 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 a really interesting sensation because I I I think I just kind of gave myself over to the film because there were moments where I I kind of felt like eh, is this something that was staged? Like is this are these written lines? Are these you know, it it blurs the line between fiction and reality. And I think that's part of what makes the film so so potent. And I think part of the reason why I loved it so much is I didn't really care. Like, I recognized that what I was watching wasn't a documentary. So I was watching it as fiction, but it made me feel things that I could only compare to documentaries I've seen. Because it, right. it just feels like real people hanging out in a bar, like being vulnerable with one another and, and being confrontational and, and getting into subject matter that is not PC, but you know, you get some alcohol and you're hanging out in a bar. I mean, these are the kinds of conversations that you have with people. And I don't think those are bad conversations. Right. It's to have. almost like that. It, it, it's like a fake documentary, but it is somewhat genuine. And it's almost like, I don't know if there's like an actual real experiment, but like <laughs> if you put people in a room, they're like guaranteed to interact, especially if alcohol is involved. And this is almost like that experiment um, just in film format. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I did really like it. I would probably like to watch it again now that I know what it's going for. Um, oh, but I'd never... Um, Asked my second question, Matt. Is this where oh, you yeah. would have um, wanted to spend your time when you were uh, vacationing in Vegas? At this particular <laughs> bar? Um, <laughs> probably not. <laughs> as much it's as... a little too on the nose. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I mean, those kinds of bars, like dive bars especially... Uh, you can you can feel like an outsider in them, right? Like you right. go into a dive bar and it's all the regulars, and you're if you feel like you're not in a place, not that you're not welcome, but you feel like, like you're history and chemistry there that right. you're not a part of. And I think that cultivating that is awesome, and I love dive bars where I feel like it's it's my dive bar. Like this movie definitely reminded me of. Um, my mom used to work for uh, the American Legion in my hometown. This very much made me think of that bar, you know, like the 
it's a it's a group of people who don't really have anywhere else to be right and i think that's that fascinates me people who are just hanging out in a bar because they don't really have anywhere to go i mean that's there's there's a weird sense of um camaraderie and uh and sense of place that comes with these kinds of spaces and i think that's what the this movie uh illuminated so well so uh, that's why it's my number five film of the year that's it for me beautiful (laughs) Uh, 99 cents right now on amazon tom if you want to catch up with it i think you would i think you and sarah would like this one actually tom i probably would 99 cents i'm adding it to the watch list (laughs) Uh, my number five was Possessor. We talked about it already. Mm-hmm. Um, super creepy, super affecting, um, super disturbing. Um, uh, pretty cool. I think it felt like a good debut, you know, but uh, I don't know if you said it so explicitly before. Um, well, I'm not sure who was talking about Matt, I think. Um, but uh it didn't, you know, it didn't quite have enough to it to really bring it home for me, but it was really, really close. It had all of the trappings of something that would have been like a contender for best of the year for me, even in a normal year, but um, not quite. I don't know if it didn't have, you know, a, a through line or a character that I cared enough about or what, but um, anyway, that's my one criticism as vague as that is. Uh, but I thought it was super cool, and I'm excited to see whatever Brandon Cronenberg does next. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm definitely excited for a rewatch of um, of that one. We'll see what happens. All right, my number five. This is my Cretia pick of the year. Oh, my cool no. Pick. Oh, no. No one's talking about this. This was watched this morning, so the cram was worth it. My number five is a movie called Beats, directed by Brian Welsh. And if you guys are not sure what I'm talking about, I will enlighten you. (laughs) Please Please do. do. (laughs) All right. So this is a movie set in the 90s in Scotland. It basically covers a time where raves were outlawed or, you know, criminal activity, um, So it's somewhat of a, well, it is a coming-of-age movie. um, But I just feel like it really nailed the whole, like, rave concert culture. Like, the last half hour of this or so just really nails the the feeling of going to, like, a rave or a festival and just having the time of your life. And, like I said, it's a coming-of-age movie, so it's set right at that time in your life when you're, like, still a kid and messing up, but... You have like adulthood right on the fringe. Um, so even though I'm not from Scotland and didn't really, uh, you know, tend the rave scene in the 90s, it still was really relatable to me. And I appreciated that it was more than just a comedy. Uh, it was really well shot. It's uh, shot in black and white. And um, it also is kind of like a revolution type movie. Like it's anti-establishment where they're like, trying to go against the grain and uh they're they're trying to basically throw a party um 
that doesn't have a repetitive beat because that's the whole thing is that it's criminal activity to throw a party where there's music that's playing as a repetitive beat um but anyways i don't know i i loved it it kind of surprised me came out of nowhere uh i saw that it was eligible for 2020 so i gave it a go and it wowed me so that is beats so why is this film (laughs) eligible Check it out, Matt. What are we talking about? Well, so there were two films called Beats that came out in 2019, one of which starred Anthony Anderson, but that's not the one that you saw. No. And I don't see... Did it get added to a streaming platform? Like, I'm going off of IMDb release dates, and it hit the United States June 26, 2020. June... I. I guess that's when it, because it came out in the UK in May of 2019, and had its film festival premiere in January film 2019. Don't count. But UK still, does not count. Oh, no, no, no. This is eligible. Trust me. Trust <laughs> me. <laughs> All right, if you say so. It's a banger for sure. Word? I don't know if you guys would like it as much as me, but I loved it. Um, where did you watch it? I watched it on Amazon Prime. It's almost got like a train spotting vibe to it, and it's also, I think, executive produced by Steven Soderbergh. Ugh, woof! Not interested, bud. No, no, no. It's it's great. I loved it, <laughs> <laughs> and it's eligible. All right, you say so. <laughs> Let me tell you. <laughs> Let me just reiterate: it's eligible. <laughs> Get fucked. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, cool. Definitely your Cresha pick of the year. I appreciate it. (laughs) Definitely. All right. Well, uh, my number four pick of the year. Just caught up with this one. This podcast spent a total of $40 on this movie. It is Promising Young Woman. I fucking loved this movie. I anticipated that I would, but then it happened and it's just so stylish and so uneasy. Like there's so many sequences where uh, Carrie Mulligan's character is confronting these shithead men and calling them out on their behavior. And it's just, it's tension building is just some of the best of the year. I mean, I, I didn't know where any individual scene was going to go. Constantly surprised. I'm not going to get into spoilers, but I loved the last act of this movie. That's where it falls apart for a lot of people, but I loved it. I was on board for the ride. Loved the twist. Loved the twist on the twist. Was huge at the end. Just fucking blew my mind. The reveal was amazing. Performances, just top-notch. Bo Burnham, what a spectacular douchebag. Just perfect casting in this film. I mean, he was amazing. I thought Bo Burnham was perfect for this role. Um, Just, I I haven't stopped thinking about it. I I saw it two nights ago, I think. Um, Could could have been higher. I I wrestled with this one, Um, but that's where it landed. Promising young woman. What a film. Uh, 
Travis, you saw it. I'm Beautiful. Not, you don't have to spoil anything. Dom, yeah, you did not. You did. You <clears throat> did. Did did no, didn't. I Man, I tried to watch it. Travis rented it, and I tried to watch it on his Voodoo, but Voodoo shit the bed. It wouldn't work. So mm. I ended up <laughs> spending twenty dollars of my own to rent it, and so worth every what penny. Did you finally rented on Amazon. Man, so Voodoo just shit the bed for you. It like, wouldn't completely? play. Yeah, I don't. I so. I don't know if it was my internet at the time or what exactly was happening, but I went to play oh, Promising. Comcast all along. No one has no, worse internet than no. me. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> so I I started watching it, and there was no audio, and all I had was a green screen. And I was like, uh, is this part of it? No, yeah, it was dude. not. So <laughs> <laughs> I I closed out the app, tried it again. Same thing happened. Then I went to Netflix because I was eating lunch. And I don't know about you guys, but when I'm eating food and I want to watch something, I want to just fucking watch something. I want it now. Daddy. So yeah. I went to Netflix and I was like, all right, I'm going to put on that fucking uh, History of Swear Words show, the Nick Cage narrated one on Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> I've been having trouble with that show for weeks now. And same thing happened. I went to play it. It wouldn't play. Then I went somewhere else, and I think I ended up watching, like, Letterkenny on Hulu or something. I don't know what I ultimately ended up watching, but um, did not work. So, anyway, rented it, loved it, worth every penny. Maybe it's your parental controls. Sounds like you're getting blocked out from all the good stuff. No, it, like, I don't know what was going on, but it the second time I, I tried to play it, it wasn't just a green screen. It was, like a frozen image and it had like pink and blue and green in it. But it, no, it, it, I don't think it had anything to do with that. I, I'm assuming it was my internet, but I was successfully able to watch Hulu. So maybe voodoo just uh, sucks balls. But anyway, not important. I saw it. Well, glad it made your list. Sorry. You had to spend the 20 bucks. I'm not sorry at all. Uh, you well. know, Got to throw it, throw it, throw a dime at a. Uh, That's true. Independent filmmakers. That is true. Hopefully they <laughs> they're getting at least thirty percent of that. <laughs> so uh, anyway, that's my number four. Tom, what you got? My number four is Sound of Metal. Mm. Music was his world, then silence revealed a new one. Damn. Whoa. So saith Letterboxed. Deep. Um, I really, really liked this movie. I was not bored at any point, despite it's, uh, actually it's not, it's not that long. It's two hours. I feel like one of you guys said it was maybe a little bit boring or long. Um, that is my big gripe with it is that it's a little boring. Yeah. I didn't feel that. Um, uh, obviously we've talked about this movie, uh, a little bit on the show already. Um, performances were great. Riz Ahmed and uh, Paul Racy standing out. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, um, I don't know. There's just like a, there's a weird, well, it's not weird. There's just a, an intimacy to this movie that was really um, beautiful and impacting. And uh, I instantly wanted to recommend it to, you know, two or three friends of mine that I thought would really dig it. Um, and uh, I, I could have used a little bit more metal drumming. That would have been fun. But uh, that just didn't turn out to be the type of movie that it was. So, uh, you know, what it did end up being was 
surprising and uh, really rewarding. I think we talked about the ending too. I, I gave this movie four and a half stars. I don't really know why I didn't just give it five, but um, I, you know, the ending is a little bit poetic. Ominous. Predictable. <laughs> yeah, sure. Any of those choices. Um, I, I don't think it necessarily detracts from the experience or from i think it is actually probably a welcome ending for someone who is deaf but uh uh yeah great movie and um would have made my list almost any regardless year, mm-hmm. yeah yeah i think sound of metal is a movie is i think the movie that i think i should have loved more than i did of the year, if that's a category. Well, it's definitely getting <laughs> the praise that would make you think that. <laughs> I would, so I would compare Sound of Metal for me to Leave No Trace. And what I, what I mean Get by that, here. no, what I mean by that <laughs> is a movie that <laughs> seems like it should be right up my alley, but ultimately I felt a little cold on like I, I just something didn't click. Like I feel like Leave No Trace should have been one of my favorite films of that year, and I gave it like a three point five. It you know was what I mean? My number ten of that year. It was yeah. a banger. Uh, so I, I don't really have a good explanation for why that is, but Sound of Metal is another one where I, I just, I don't know. It just didn't, it didn't click in the way I wanted it to. And maybe a rewatch will, will illuminate some. I don't think so, Matt, because I rewatched it and I felt pretty similar. Although I will say though, to correct my review, um, I said that there was no memorable sequences. There are a couple, um, mainly like the last half hour or so I think is really memorable. Uh, I really like the, the, like the final confrontation or, conversation between Paul Racy and Riz Ahmed's characters. Yeah. I thought that was a great scene. That's probably the standout scene. But I also really loved the when um, Olivia Cook's character sings a song with her dad, the mm. Que Amor Me Too or whatever it's called. <laughs> uh, yeah. I just thought that was a beautiful moment. And um getting it from his perspective, basically like it just shows that he'll never be able to hear music the same again. Like that's kind of a crushing thing because um, I would, yeah, music's a big part of my life. So I would hate for anything like that to happen to me. And so it really does, the movie does a good job of like putting yourself in like a deaf person's shoes and like, you know, this is kind of the reality of it, um, but it's not like, all necessarily a bad thing and that's kind of like what the the ending um leads to but yeah i don't know i think it's overrated but i do understand why people like it so much Mm -hmm. cool all right that's sound of metal uh travis i think it's your turn right number four yes yep uh so this is somewhat of a rewatch um it went way up on a rewatch and this is 
Spike Lee's David Burns American Utopia. You sick son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> are you are you serious? Really? I'm dead serious. Oh my god. We when saw this show would... live. Exactly. How good could it be? It was a rewatch. <laughs> oh, oh god. <laughs> so I am curious. Oh, man. I am very curious. Remember what, uh, when I said that there were no talking heads documentaries on my list? Technically, I was true. That's the true. <laughs> I was true. <laughs> Gotta stay true. <laughs> Anyways. Okay. I watched David Byrne's American Utopia directed by Spike Lee, even though I saw the tour and pretty much got the majority of the show live. But man, this was one of the most enjoyable things to watch all year. Um, as you may know, I'm a huge fan of Talking Heads as well as David Byrne. Um, the set itself, like the, the set list of songs, it's a banger. It's just... I don't know. It's a great compilation of songs. It's some David Byrne, some Talking Heads. Uh, I loved all the in-betweens. Uh, David Byrne tells like little stories and also educates the audience a bit like on how to vote and just like about what's going on in the world. Uh, there's, there's a song that he does that's, I think, a cover of... Matt, do you know? Janelle Monae, is that right? Yes, where uh, it's like acapella. Tell you some about or something like that. I don't know the exact word of it or the exact title of it, but uh, I think that's a really powerful moment in the set. And um, I did think there were some pretty cool artistic choices by Spike Lee, especially during one of the songs. It's kind of like a um, like a strobe light effect. And the the stage setup is very simplistic, and I felt that when I saw it live and watching Spike Lee's version, but it's almost like one of those like less is more scenarios where I don't know. It just, it just feels cinematic and vibrant, even though there's really not much going on except people performing on stage. Um, but yeah, I could see myself watching this like over and over. It was, it was great. And I'm glad that there's a version of this show on HBO max. So Cool. I'll I'll probably catch up with that one. Um, well, he's got to see it, right? That's true. Yeah, it's a banger, dude. It, Let me. I appreciated it even more watching it at home than I did live. <laughs> so let me ask you this: I can't remember if it was in the set list when we saw him, but in the Spike Lee filmed David Burns American Utopia, does he play? This must be the place. I'm pretty sure. I, I, I'm almost certain it's the exact same set that we saw. Well, I can't remember if... That song he is a banger. He played like two Talking Head songs from what I remember. It was like did, Burning Down the, the House. Place. He did Once in a Lifetime and Burning Down the House. There might be a couple others. Uh, I'm looking maybe at the playlist even... on, um, on uh, Spotify and it also has The Great Curve and... That Blind. is a banger, and he did play that and, live. And <laughs> uh, slippery, slippery people. Slippery people. Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, so, anyways, interesting. Well, I'm gonna watch it then because that's uh that's the best Talking Heads song. 
is this must be the place. So. It was rad. Um, <laughs> even though I saw it in concert live, watching this was like, yeah, one of the most enjoyable things I could have done this year. So, well, of 2020. Shh, damn. Well, cool. Glad you enjoyed it as much as you did. I'll have to circle back and uh, check her out. All right. Well, that brings us to the top three films of the year. My number three film is Soul. Pixar's <laughs> Soul. Getting down to it. Fucking love this movie. Uh, we just recently reviewed it, so I won't go too in-depth, but I think it is... One of Pixar's finest, we'll have to wait and see on a rewatch, but could be Pixar's finest, finest. We'll have to wait and see, but I think it is funny. I think it looks spectacular. I mean, the lighting in this movie, which you don't really usually think of when it comes to an animated film, but the lighting... In these scenes is so amazing. The way they came up with the art design for The Great Beyond is so cool. And let us not forget the best <laughs> score of the year. Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross knocking it out of the park again. Jesus, somebody stop those guys. They just <laughs> are out of control. Wow, I just loved it. Say no more. Let's move on. Love, love soul. Loved it. Glad you loved it, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. My number three movie of the year is The Invisible Man. Mm-hmm. One of the only movies I saw in theaters. Did I see it in theaters? Did I stream that? I saw it in theaters. <laughs> <laughs> when did this come out? February. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or maybe maybe end of it? January? Was The Lodge your last theater experience, the or did Lodge you was go one other time? Oh, God, I don't remember. Yeah, yeah, I saw this in theaters. Okay, okay. Uh, <laughs> this movie was so much fun and really surprised me. I thought it was going to be super cheesy and super awful, um, but it was, uh, it was not. It was... Uh, I don't know. Well done. It looked great. Like the, the choreography and the, you know, the, all the scenes where the guy's invisible and she's fighting him off or whatever's happening. Um, and just the tension, you know, that is ever present throughout the movie, knowing that an invisible force could do something at any time. Um, yeah, I loved it. I thought it was awesome. I made people watch it. Uh, and I had, you know, just as much fun the second time. So, that's my number three. Oh, you watched it twice. Mm-hmm. Look at you. Invisible Man is probably one 10 years from now that I will look back on more fondly than some of these other films. Because it's just, I'm dying to rewatch it. And it's just so suspenseful. You know, it's just one of those movies that you just like, you want to watch. Like, this is a movie that if it comes on while you're scrolling through the channels and oh, you yeah, come across TNT or TBS 100%. and Invisible Man Gross. is on, doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't matter how far into the film you are, you put it on and you watch whatever you got left. Come on, man. It's 2021. No one's flipping through the channels these days. <laughs> hey, I do that very occasionally. <laughs> very occasionally. Um, but you know what I mean? It's just, it's, but I hear it's what good. you're saying. I hear what you're saying. 
but we're in a different world these days. This is 2020's number one <laughs> FX at the movies candidate. <laughs> FX has the movies. Dinner in a movie. Has the movies, right? Fuck. <laughs> the good old days. <laughs> All right. Well, that brings us to you, Travis. What's your number three of the year? Me. Number three. Uh, some would probably think this would be number one. It is Possessor. You. Okay. So (laughs) I am going based off of an earlier appearance that you made on a film podcast. You're throwing me for a loop. I don't even know what to expect now. All right. Bang, bang. (laughs) That's what I hope for. Shit. Uh, Anyways. This is the movie that I wanted to be my number one, but when I looked myself in the mirror, I just couldn't quite. You push saw it somebody else looking that back far. at it. Exactly. Through your eyes. I was having a little bit of an identity <laughs> crisis when I formed this list. Uh, I do think it is the best looking movie of the year. It has some incredible imagery the mask, the sex scene. The face melting candle looking sequence. Oh yeah. All awesome. Uh I thought the gore was very effective. Very gnarly. Um and I do just even though they didn't like fully develop or explain the world, I did love the world that it created. Uh I did really like the performances of Andrea Riseborough and Christopher Abbott. Um, I do love all of its themes and ideas involving technology and identity. And um, it was very rewarding on a rewatch. You can watch it with like a different lens n- now that you know the, the story from the get-go. Um, I think if I were to fault the movie, it would be, I don't know if the ending quite nailed it, or you know maybe there was like a, a missing element to the movie, but I do just appreciate it's I, I do think it's still like pretty original and it does just create a, a world that I'm interested in so it's my number three nice solid pick all right well my number two film of the year is Charlie Kaufman's I'm Thinking of Shut the Front Door. Number two. (laughs) Unheard of. Um, Are you kidding? (laughs) uh, Real quick, I I would like to read my favorite uh, letterboxed review of this film. Uh, It reads, I'm thinking of ending my Netflix subscription. Half a star review. Uh, that's just yeah. the kind of film this is. You know what I mean? It's uh, <laughs> very, <laughs> very polarizing, very provocative. Um, as a big fan of the source material, Ian Reed's novel, um, I think what is most impressive about this film is that where the novel is like, a, you know, it, it, it very much is about dread and suspense and and terror like it's a very very uh it's an intense book and it's all about manipulating your um expectations and your 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 sense of 
exactly what's happening in the space. And Charlie Coffin's film does that too, but I think the book is a little bit more um, visceral in that, you know, it's it's about... Uh, there, there's no existential spin in the novel, right? Like, in typical Charlie Coffin fashion, he he extracts this like existential crisis from this pretty straightforward thriller novel and turns it into this like, um, basically the movie is about like the aging process and how horrible that is and and being uneasy around your your loved ones and feeling like you're constantly being perceived by them and it's about what makes us human in the first place and how we comprise ourselves as individuals and the movie basically makes the case that we're all just kind of references like literally our personalities are the movies we've seen and the books we've read and the people we've talked to like it's just a this frankenstein's monster of 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 references and experiences and i think that's just so fascinating and above all it's just a fucking creepy movie it's 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 uneasy and it's some of the best performances i mean jesse buckley for a character who uh spoilers if you haven't seen it uh isn't real uh she has a lot of agency in the film which charlie kaufman you know i've watched some interviews with him and read some stuff and that was what he struggled with the most in uh adapting this uh this novel but you she is the anchor through the film and um the fact that he was able to pull that off when she is literally a figment of another character's imagination is uh very impressive so fucking loved it uh wow i'm thinking of ending things well yeah wow is uh what i have to say i just kind of blacked out there that that whole explanation of your number two matt because (laughs) now i know what your number one is and then i was i would have bet money that that i'm thinking of ending things was your number one of the year so my mind is in pieces right now. I am right there with you, bud. I don't know how we can conduct the rest of the show. <laughs> it's going to be I'm be real bird's yeah, nest. Wow. Well, let's uh <laughs> let's let's move along. Tom, what's your, what's your number 2 of the year? Soul is my number 2. Mhm. Um, oh yeah, you didn't you didn't uh, review this on the show with us, but no, you caught up with it. Yeah, and I'm glad I did. It was so great. Sarah and I loved it. Um, the way that this movie deals with adult themes and um, you know b- before life, after life. Uh, your calling in life, all of that stuff was uh, uh, super interesting and meaningful to me. Um, I love the way it looked. It looks so good. The what do they even call it when you're dead? The other world. The great before. The great before was uh, so inspired and beautiful and fun. Um, and all the characters, the Jerry's and Terry, were like great. <laughs> Gotta I love give how it up movie... for the Jerry's and Terry's of the world. <laughs> this, this movie, uh, I love that this movie doesn't have like a villain. You know, 
it's just it's just life right and life the hardships the that that normal people all face um and uh yeah i i thought it was uh i thought it was great in every way and um definitely the most adult pixar movie i think that i've seen i think i probably missed a couple but um that was kind of refreshing too but still super funny just not um not as bubbly as mm-hmm. your typical pixar um did you love the cat jokes i did love the cat jokes even sarah yes. loved the cat jokes she's not <laughs> she's not a sucker for that they were just they were so well done and so subtle <laughs> yeah i mean were that, they uh, low-hanging fruit absolutely but <laughs> delicious delicious low-hanging fruit yeah, there's a scene where they get into the elevator and he just like can't help himself by but chase around some flashing light, you know, that's like reflecting off somebody's watch or something. <laughs> yeah. And and they never address it. That he never is like, What am I doing? You know, he just like gets tired and the light disappears and he just like remembers what he was thinking about. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's really uh it's really excellent. So good. Well, cool. I'm glad you caught up with it. Glad to see it uh make an appearance on this list. Very nice. Yes, sir. All right, Travis. What's your number two? Number two. I had to rewatch this one to uh, get it this high up here, but uh, my number two is Blow the Man Down. Oh, you're fucking force-feeding that one. No, 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 no. Get out of here. No, no, no. Saw it in a new light on a rewatch. That was my bad the first time around, and I apologize to the the film itself. But... uh, (laughs) This was almost my number one. This is an amazing movie. Uh, I love the script and the storytelling. Um, I love when movies show and don't tell. And there are a few moments in this movie, a few key moments, that if you look away, Hmm? you will miss something. Oh! So you better keep your eyes glued to the screen. Uh, I love the setting. It's like a small fishing village, and it's got a lot of history to it. Uh, a lot of generations have lived there, and um, it's kind of like this, I don't know, boiling pot of crime. <laughs> I don't know how to really Lobsters. explain what all, <laughs> what all is going on in the town, but um, I do think the Coen brothers would be proud of this movie, um, especially for, I think it's a feature debut. I don't think these directors have made another movie um but anyways this one is great regardless i love the score probably one of my favorites of the year also one of my favorite endings of the year thought the ending was amazing uh i also love that it's typically a movie you would see full of men but it's primarily an all-female cast and um margot martindale is the standout as the kind of kingpin godfather figure of the town and uh, I think it just has some great tense moments to it as well and um, it may not be like the most original movie of the year but I do think it is one of the best boom cool Uh, don't get me wrong I I like blow the man down I, I caught up with it like a month ago but I don't know just um I feel like I've seen this movie before. I mean, it, everyone compares it to the Coen brothers, which is, is fair, but it's, I don't know. I thought it was 
very lean and well constructed. I, like, there's not anything that I would cut from the film. That's what I like. Which is great, but <laughs> it just, I don't know. I just, I like the ending. I thought it was good, but nothing really stood out for me. It was a, it was a very well-made crime thriller um, that I, you know, would be curious to revisit down the road, but didn't leave any particular uh, impact on me. So good pick though. Definitely not one I was expecting. That's for sure. <laughs> Very cool. Tom, should catch up with it for sure. Yeah. Sounds like it. All right. Are we on to uh, number one? Numero uno. All right. My, take a deep breath. my yeah. number one film of the year, something I would be, the last one to tell you that this would be my number one film of the year, but I watched it and here we are. It is Christopher Nolan's Tenet. My mind is blown. I was talking all sorts of shit about this movie through the year because I didn't see it when it came out in theaters and I was giving Travis so much shit (laughs) for watching it. He liked it, but it kind of seemed like he was pushing it and then I rewatched it and I was, you know, I was just being me. But uh, I will admit, the first hour, I was like, man, this is kind of silly. What what am I watching here? Um, And then it all clicked. And I'm not going to try and say that I understand everything that happened in this film. (laughs) But what I realized, (laughs) what I realized, I had... You you all remember my uh, my The Last Jedi uh, religious experience um, that I had a few yes. years ago? Oh, absolutely. I had a similar your, your experience. Come to Jesus moment. Yeah, the Jesus moment. Um, I had a similar moment with Tenet where I realized... Nolan is Christ. That Nolan is <laughs> way smarter than I give him credit for. So what I realized is that, you know, all of... Not all of them, but the vast majority of Nolan's films deal with the manipulation of time in some way. I mean, even going all the way back to Memento, I mean, that movie is is time as plot, right? Like the, the order of the film is rearranged and manipulate the... The, the 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 time aspect of it to culminate in this insane ending right and then you have interstellar with the the metaphysical relationship with time and then you have dunkirk which is the yeah. time dilation and you have these different perspectives that are all taking place over different uh independent kind of time uh timelines you know the list goes on but what i realized about an hour into tenet I stopped trying to nitpick every little thing about it. And I realized that what Nolan was trying to do is he took time and made it action. Like literally there's a scene. I don't remember who says it, but somebody says, don't think too hard about it. You know, like there's just all this. Understand it. Exactly. I mean, I, I think it is a puzzle in that regard and that you, you could watch it and you can try and understand all of that. But I just, I didn't care. And I will be the first to admit that I'm giving this movie the benefit of the doubt because it could either be 
a masterpiece, like the greatest example of populist auteurism that the world has ever seen, or it's a convoluted fart, right? I don't know which way it's going to go, but I'm giving this movie the benefit of the doubt because of the way I felt watching it this first time. I was blown away by the action sequences. I mean, it's essentially time-traveling superhero spies who use, like, I think where it all crystallized for me and I'll stop talking in a moment. I'm almost done, but I got real heated about Tenet where it Christopher for me <laughs> is there's a, there's a line. I can't remember who says it, but one of the characters says, we're the people who like prevent what would have happened or, or something like that. And I think that's the ultimate distillation of the action concept is he was just like, what about these people who, prevent horrible atrocities from occurring in the first place and there's all this like behind the scenes espionage espionage craziness that happens and i think that was just the dopest shit ever on top of the action sequences just being amazing like the scene you all seen it the scene where um (laughs) john david washington uh first goes uh through reverse time uh, formally and it's like the car sequence like the car uh, the action mm-hmm. scene mm-hmm. so good so amazing i was like my heart was racing it looked amazing um i do think that it's not a perfect film and these are things that are either going to bring it down so this is either going to be mid-tier christopher nolan on a rewatch or it's going to be the best film but- you were his. daring enough to put it ahead of a Charlie Kaufman movie. Yes. Year. And I am more surprised than anybody, but I just had to I go. <laughs> I just had to go based off of my, my gut reaction. And I, my mind was blown by Tenet. Not because I think it's like the, the most insane, like heady, complicated blockbuster ever made. I just, was so invested in it. I loved it. It was so cool. It's a cool movie. And I just, we don't get enough of those big budget, cool fucking movies. And I just, um, I loved it. For me, the action sequences, I just, all of the excitement and um, like uh, investment that I would normally get out of a cool action sequence was just muddied by my, lack of clarity on like what is the objective here how does this stuff all work because it doesn't it doesn't follow (laughs) i think any sort of consistent understanding of physics that i have um and uh also a lot of the scenes you see are in reverse so you you kind of know like what's about to happen at least to a point um so that was a little bit uh i mean it was interesting but it wasn't um uh, suspenseful, I guess. Mm. But someone has got to tell me where were the enemy soldiers in that last battle, or did I completely misunderstand what that whole scene was about? So they were all on the same side. I don't know, like where those explosions. But they weren't fighting each other. No, they weren't. I don't really. So that's the thing with this movie, and it's the reason why it's either gonna be solidified as a masterpiece on a rewatch or I'm going to nitpick it like I do 
and and shit on it on a rewatch. But that's the thing. Like I don't to your number one, Matt. I could and I might. We'll see. But (laughs) the issue, I don't really know what they were trying to prevent. Like I know the whole thing was Kenneth Branagh's character was. I don't want to get. I'm I'm already too specific, but his fate is like the the fate of the world is in Kenneth Branagh's in his hands, right? So I was a little confused by why that is the case keeping track of the timeline because there's so much backward and forward and every step of the way robert pattinson is like always a step ahead of john david washington like you're always like ew slimy bastard like every time something happens you're like he is always in on it which i kind of like that aspect of it like that kind of felt like a james bond type thing you know his accomplice who was like always one step ahead yeah just one step ahead of bond at all points but um i just that's the thing that could fall apart on a rewatch is the actual like stakes of what's happening and 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 following the thread like i got it for the most part but big picture stuff like i don't really understand what they were preventing other than Kenneth Branagh was like the key to it all. Yeah, Does that well, make that sense? Guy, like it was his henchman was supposed to drop something in the ground. I think I don't know. Yeah, there's like a whole thing where he's like timing the end of the world with his happiest moment, and there's some logical leaps for sure it's that just, occur. But it's a little, it's cartoonish, you know, the idea that there's like this algorithm that's revealed late in the film. And we're introducing this other, like, scientist from the future who has this altruism streak. And then, uh, and then so they had to break the algorithm into multiple pieces and hide it in these super secure locations all across the globe. And I was like, oh, my God, we're already two hours in and now you're dropping this shit on me. Yeah, it's a whole thing. But I, I just I didn't care. Like, I don't think Nolan really cares either. Like, I think. It's more so about the scope and scale of the action, like the time as action concept that, you know, I mean, that's that's what espionage movies are, at least in the Bond sense, like the Bond scale of things like the world is going to end and James Bond has to do some cool shit to make sure that doesn't happen. You know what I mean? And it's obviously, you know, Nolanized where he is <laughs> kind of uh, made this intricate puzzle to be solved that, you know, we'll see if it's ultimately. I don't know. Fulfilling. I just feel like tighten, tighten up the writing. Let me hear the words that the characters are saying. And, you know, we might be like well on our way to a movie that I would, you know, endorse fully. For sure. And that I watched this movie with subtitles on a first watch. So you guys still talking about Tenet? Yeah, dude. <laughs> That's the thing. Movie rules. I just went to the bathroom. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're just about done. But we, we we circle back to the sound thing, like the dialogue mixing. And that probably would have been a very, very real criticism for me in the theater. But mm-hmm. I watched it with subtitles. So I didn't really have an issue. So are you retroactively um, upgrading your star rating of... Dunkirk. Oh no, because Dunkirk you is still the genius of 
No, dude. Dunkirk is still one of the worst Nolan films. But talk about a return to form. I mean, Tenet could be his best film. We'll wait and see. Right now, it's still Interstellar, but we'll have to wait and see. I'm I'm dying for a rewatch ASAP on this one. But had to go with my heart. Number one film of the year. I'm so proud of you, Matt. I could shed a tear. (laughs) I didn't think Nolan could topple Kaufman in any given year let alone 2020. Maybe my pride will turn to shame in a couple days once I realize the mistake I made, but for now I'm going with it. Ten and number one. All right. Beautiful. Tom, number one film of the year. Do we know uh, that? I'm not sure. I feel like you've said all the if ones you, that I would think. Is it Defy no, Bloods? Just, no, no, no. <laughs> it's, no uh, it like it's I'm thinking stars. of ending things. Oh, I just thought I already oh, dropped that one. Oh, my yeah, God. It's the best movie of the year, obviously, Matt. Come on. I really yeah. fucked oh, up. I liked it more than you. I really <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> what a fool. This is a movie that you can dive into and actually glean something from. Um. <laughs> <laughs> this is a movie that Got will him. reward you on multiple rewatches <laughs> and not just frustrate you further. Blinded by the Nolan. <sighs> lord uh yeah i mean i don't have a ton to add to what we've already said it was um it's kind of enthralling in this weird circular way um very uh interesting very intellectually stimulating um while at the same time you know of course quite confusing um this was another one that i just had to recommend to people uh, Sarah still has not seen it, and I'm super excited for her to see it uh, and to rewatch it. And um, Jesse Buckley, I don't know where she came from, but she is awesome, um, and obviously is going to be a uh, uh, getting a lot of work in the years to come. So, yeah, uh, that's my number one movie of the year, and um, you know top four top five i feel pretty good about i i feel horrible about this it's bad (laughs) i can't believe that if i had known that someone else would have given (laughs) i'm thinking of ending things the number one spot i wouldn't have done what i did you blew nolan you he better not make me regret this if i rewatched tenant and i just it just falls apart Cause it could like tenant. My first watch of tenant was held together with fucking string cheese. Like it <laughs> is very close to falling apart. No, I think 10 years from now, people will, will remember tenant. <laughs> they don't even remember it this year. <laughs> 10 years it's, from now, people will remember this Steven Spielberg film. This, it's going to be a banger. This question. huge okay. film. Not every one of Kubrick's films was well regarded when it was first released. That's true. So. This is this is uh, Nolan's uh, Eyes Wide Shut. Matt's, Matt's future-proofing right now. Yeah, dude. I had to be on the right <laughs> side of history. <laughs> All right, Travis. Well, I, I legitimately right. don't know what your number one is. You can't take a guess? I'm barely keeping track at Process this point. Process of elimination. Um, All right. No. My number one is Promising Young Woman. Oh, yes. Boom. Of course. The only movie I spent $20 on this year at home. 
So therefore, it had to be my number one. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, I went into this movie pretty cold. I saw some screenshots. I knew Carrie Mulligan was in it. I knew it was somewhat of a revenge movie to some extent. Like it was, you know, some th- thriller, thrilling aspects to it. But I didn't really know the story. And um, I do love the setup of it. And you you pretty much get the setup of it with the first shot on Carrie Mulligan's character, which is like five minutes in or so. Uh, I just thought it was really clever and kind of one-ups the revenge movie. Uh, I do feel like revenge movies have kind of gotten a bad rap over the years because it's not really like the best way to handle something where you just, you know, kill everyone and feel better about it. Uh, (laughs) I think this movie just handles the whole revenge plot a little more smartly and just more realistic and um i do love carrie mulligan and i do love her in this i did think bo burnham was really funny um i don't know if i've really seen him in anything else that i've enjoyed him in i did enjoy eighth grade but i he wasn't really in front of the camera i tried watching part of his stand-up and was turned away by it but i did love him in this movie uh, I just love like so many scenes. There's all the setups with each character and their like encounters. I think are just very well done. And um, I do love the ending. It's a bit complex. I don't want to get too into it, um, but I think it's the right way to end the movie. And yeah, I just think it was really clever and highly entertaining. It was like the easiest five star to give this year. So. That's why I put it as my number one. That one definitely floated up and down my top five. I, I, I'm still, um, it's still raw. It's still a raw watch, but um, yeah, honestly, my top three could maybe be intermixed. I wasn't like super strong about any of them, but I'm gonna give it to this one because I feel like I had the the highest reaction as soon as it ended. So. There Very cool. All right. Guess I gotta watch this one, huh? Yeah, dude. Uh, don't drop the twenty bomb. Yeah, don't drop the twenty bomb. But <laughs> as soon as it's streaming somewhere, gotta watch it. It's it's really fucking good. Loved it. Um, let's uh, talk about real quick uh, honorable Should just, mentions. Uh, Should we run them down real quick for everyone? Uh, oh, the ten. Yeah. 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 Good idea. Um, I was first, so I will go first. Uh, Just to recap, my top 10 films of the year. Number 10, The Lodge. Number 9, Possessor. Number 8, The Painter and the Thief. Number 7, Never, Rarely, Sometimes, Always. Number 6, Borat, Subsequent Movie Film. Number 5, Bloody Nose, Empty Pockets. Number 4, Promising Young Woman. Number three, Soul. Number two, I'm thinking of ending things. And number one, Tenet. Okay. Uh, Mine are number 10, The Lodge. Number nine, The Devil All the Time. Number eight, Emma. Number seven, Borat, subsequent movie film. Tenet is six. Possessor is five. Sound of Metal, four. The Invisible Man, 
three, Soul is two, and the number one movie of the year is I'm Thinking of Ending Things. Tom, given that you watch like 11 movies, you still made a pretty honorable top 10, so I yeah. do commend you. Wow, thanks guys. <laughs> and you know what? I think I watched like 12, because there were a couple other two stars I could have thrown in, you know? I left You know what Wonder you Woman. like, right? You get in and you get out. <laughs> <laughs> exactly none of this wasted time exactly so much un <laughs> unnecessary cramming that i did in the last month but i think it was worth it but oh, i well. also don't have a kid at home we'll so. see when you have a one and a half year old <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right uh my top 10 10 is the wolf of snow hollow nine is invisible man yeah the wolf <laughs> Number eight is Tenet, seven, Black Bear, six, I'm Thinking of Ending Things, five, Beats, four, David Burns, American Utopia, three, Possessor, two, Blow the Men, Blow the Man Down, number one, Promising Young Woman. Very nice. Well, those are our top tens. Uh, Tom, real quick, you mm -hmm. had an alternate list prepared. Um, oh, yeah, do you want to hear it? Let's hear Let's it. Hear it. <laughs> um, so these are non-2020 releases that I watched in uh, 2020 that I definitely would have placed at number six or higher, I'm going to say. Uh, let's see. There's this. Hold on. I feel like one of you guys forgot a movie, hmm. and it was Palm Springs. No, it, Palm Springs was in the mix. It was... Uh, didn't, see it. didn't see it. Oh, you didn't see it. That's the problem. Because I was like, that has to be on your list just out of... Just by sheer... not being a two-star movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Palm Springs was number 18 on my list. Mm. Uh, honestly... Sandberg guy. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like it was top 10 worthy, but I I felt like it was going to be in one of your top ten, so I'm I'm kind of surprised. But I guess if Tom didn't see it, that makes sense. Yeah, that does make sense. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so here's my other list uh, in no particular order. Uh, Jojo Rabbit. I uh, did not catch up with this one before I did my top ten for 2019. It was great. I thought it was um, super funny, super heartwarming. Uh, yeah. I, I love that one. And then um, Do the Right Thing. I watched that this summer when mm -hmm. all the shit was going on in our country. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was a first time watch. This was the first movie I watched where I was like, oh, I get it. What Spike Lee does and why he's like cool. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, what his style is. I mean, I had a little bit of sense of that from Black Klansman, uh, Klansman which I was also a, a fan of. But... Um, I do think it's like a play. Thing is his shining moment, though. Yeah, it's like yeah. watching. I mean, a play. he's made other great movies, but that one stands alone. Yeah, that one was pretty brutal. Sarah and I both uh, were weeping at the end. Um, everyone should watch that movie. Pain and Glory was um, best outfits of the year. <laughs> and then memorable. those turtlenecks <laughs> to uh yeah the polos oh my god um and then these two movies would have made my top 10 in 2020 or in 2019 if i had seen them in time little women 
which I'm going to watch every Christmas for the rest of my life, and <laughs> Portrait of a Lady on Fire, which was just uh, a masterpiece. I still haven't watched that. It's um, you still haven't seen scenario it. Scenario for Matt. Yeah, it's beyond list making, so therefore it is discarded. <laughs> But I did blind by the Criterion, so I feel like I'm obligated to watch it now. Yeah. Let's see. Um, I'm going to look at my 2019 list and just sort of make a a quick guess at where I would have put it. Yeah, that's that's one of those ones that unfortunately kind of fell in the... I mean, is I that... I would have put it number one. I had it Uncut Gems. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I... Probably, mm, I don't know, because Ad Astra was my number one, and it was. that's a good that's a good fucking movie, guys. So. You know, I think my biggest was that really your number one? Parasite yeah, as number four. I almost forgot that was your number one. Wow, Matt just caved for the Dad Astra. <laughs> Sorry, Tom. What were you saying in Parasite uh, number four oh. or something? Oh, I was just saying. Now that I look at my list, I regret that. Parasite at number four should have been higher. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I will say probably the two best watches of 2020 for me would be Portrait of a Lady on Fire and uh, Cold War. Cold War is in my top five of all time. Oh, yeah, now. and Still I caught up with that this year. Holy cow! <laughs> really <laughs> went up there. Really quite good. I still need to watch that. Another cool, cool. one I blind bought on Criterion. Yeah, so many criterions just uh, just dying on the <laughs> dying on the vine. I'm sure we talked about this, but did you see Ida or Ida? Yeah, but year you know the year it came out. Mm-hmm. Just okay. It's good. No, it's no, good. It is. It is really good. Cold War is significantly better though, or I enjoy it significantly more. Mm. Cool, cool, cool. All right. Um, do we want to do honorable mentions or should we just move on? Um, I could bang out a 20 through 11 real quick. Sure. Yeah. Tom, I guess you don't have to participate in this one since you only had a handful. (laughs) 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 Um, yeah, sure. If you've gotten 11 through, uh, through 20, let's, let's hear it real quick. All right. So 20 is lovers rock. The only Steve McQueen small axe picture that i watched uh number 19 bloody nose empty pockets 18 yes god yes uh number 17 pieces of a woman 16 palm springs 15 the assistant 14 saint francis 13 unpregnant 12 you cannot kill david arquette matt i would highly recommend this if you haven't seen it what It's It's called You Cannot Kill David Arquette. Yeah, it's like a documentary about his comeback to wrestling. It's pretty awesome. (laughs) Comeback to wrestling? Yeah. (laughs) Dude, he was the heavyweight champ at one point. What? Come on, dude. His whole ready to rumble phase. You got to remember that. I don't know what you're talking about. All right. Well, you should check it out. It's on Hulu. (laughs) I think you would like it if anyone. Uh, number 11 is My Octopus Teacher. Just barely missed my top 10. Um, oh, shit. I saw that. Oh, that would have been on my top 10 just a for great sure. Doc. 
Oh, Tom, you should have done your research before. Uh... Why didn't it uh, come up? Right. I don't know. You can't just sort by 2020 because a lot of these have 2019 uh This dates. one is 20. <laughs> yeah, my octopus. Maybe you never logged it. I didn't log it, but I talked about it as a five star. That's a five star movie. Did you? Are you guys? I both? don't think you did, Matt oh or Tom. God. You guys are mean? both drinking fucking salt water Kool Aid on this one. I'm drinking just the finest from Great Notion right now. <laughs> but um, Tom, I don't think you talked about it on the show. Oh, I think you watched it on your own and you fan. I watched it over Christmas. It. <laughs> okay. Yeah! Wow! What a what a great movie! It is great, incredible yeah. story, um, Matt, and just the, the visuals, remarkable. Oh yeah, incredible! Yeah, GoPro footage. Wow, impressive! Get the fuck out of here! <laughs> it was fine. I I don't know. I mean, watch a fucking don't, nature doc, bud. It's not even, that impressive. Don't even watch Leviathan. Just don't even. <laughs> humor it because it's just all gopro so you know not to slander gopro but i i just didn't find it that interesting it was good i liked it but i don't know i hate octopuses i don't don't try and anthropomorphize an octopus just don't anything that lives in the sea me (laughs) anything that lives in the sea like i i just don't like ocean creatures so don't try and you have to take it so personal. Don't please. try and anthropomorphize uh, <laughs> an octopus or a fish or a shark or anything because I, nuke, like I want to nuke. I want to nuke the ocean. No, I hate whales. You do? What about their song? It's a terrible song. I'd rather listen to "Bring Me the Horizon." Oh. Well, <laughs> um, I just moved uh, uh, the devil off the t- all the time off my list, so octopus teacher could slide that was in an right insult in front of anyone. Right in front of the <laughs> That's Wait, so where's Octopus now? <laughs> Just in front of Tenet. Just in front of Tenet. Whoa, big move. I had a controversial. Um, very interesting. So so the Lodge fell off the list? No, no, no. I kept that one, and I moved the devil all the time off. Oh, oh okay. thank God. All right, good good call. I was so upset that that was on my <laughs> list. Um, okay, well, uh, my... Uh, uh, 20 through 11, I guess. Um, this is kind of a loose order. I didn't really finalize this before the show, but I'll read it. Uh, number 20, Dick Johnson is dead. 19, Unpregnant. 18, mm-hmm. Palm Springs. 17, His House. 16, The 40-Year-Old Version. 15, Uncle Frank. 14, Time. 13, The Assistant, 12, Baby Teeth, and 11, Mangrove, part of the Small Axe Anthology. Just missed the list. Just missed her. Honestly, Mangrove should have been 10, but The Lodge, you know. You got to give The Lodge love. I got to give The Lodge some love. Lodge love. Um, All right, so before we go, we have... In the tradition of these year-end shows, we do have some awards to give out. So we're going to be uh, starting things off with a, uh, a new award. Uh, we workshopped the title. Uh, the original title that I came up with was... Uh, uh, I don't even fucking remember now. I, I, I'm i wet or something. I got... I, can't I, got, even, wet. I, got, I got wet. 
Yeah, I got wet. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, uh, Travis threw out uh, I Wet Myself. So we're going with the I Wet Myself Award. This is the uh, biggest tearjerker of the year. And uh, the nominees are The Painter and the Thief, Soul, Never Rarely Sometimes Always, A Secret Love, and My Octopus Teacher. A lot of doc love on this one. We got three docs on here. Not a great year for uh, tearjerkers in general. Um, but there has to be a winner. Any thoughts uh, before I announce the winner on any of these uh, films? Well, let me ask. Did any of these films make you cry? Travis, you can go first. Um, I would say if any of them did, A Secret Love did. And that's for somewhat of a personal reason. Uh, I would say I have a family member that kind of went through the same sort of thing, um, and she is no longer with us, but um, it made me think of her and just how her story or her life related to their story, and it made me a little sad. So, mm-hmm. But did not actually cry. You're not a big cry. No, no, I did. I did, oh, but it did. was kind of like I forced myself to cry a little bit. I just um, needed a, a little release. A little uh, you were, catharsis. You were thinking ahead. You're going to have to do the awards. <laughs> no. <laughs> God, at least one candidate has to be eligible for me. i got to squeeze these out. <laughs> um, what about you, Tom? Did uh, any of these make you cry? Although I was I think too busy crying in my real life in 2020 to, uh, you know, to have any tears to spare for these. Just, <laughs> just these too numb. of art. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, the closest I would have come is is uh, soul but it wasn't it wasn't touching for me in that way it was more simulating uh maybe intellectually and you know brought me a lot of joy mm-hmm. but uh didn't like tug at the heartstrings the way uh the way uh inside out or an up might or coco or coco yeah oh, oh my god man. coco got me good mm-hmm all right. Well, for me, the never really sometimes always had the scene this year that made me cry the hardest. But the winner of the category, the inaugural I Wet Myself Award, is <laughs> Pixar's Soul. It did make me cry twice. It's very, uh, you know, it's a happy, it was a happy cry. You know Qu- what I mean? Quantity over quality for you on cries, beating out, uh, yeah, never really. <laughs> In this case, yeah, two two good cries versus one just full body cry. <laughs> Got to give the edge to the two good cries. So <laughs> that's the uh, winner of that award. And uh, next up, this is a uh, favorite around here. This is the literal roller coaster award. This is. Uh, Travis, what did this come from? Was this? Were you talking about Dunkirk? Dunkirk? <laughs> <laughs> I said uh, the movie is literally a roller coaster, and you quickly corrected. <laughs> and uh, here we are, almost four years later, and it's uh, still a category. And just to provide some context, so the literal roller coaster award is the um, the movie that had the most. Uh, what do we say? Twists and turns, ups and downs. Thrills. Yeah, it's, it's kind of a loose award, but um, highs and I think lows that, that fits. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so the categories for this uh, award, not categories, Jesus. The uh, nominees for this award are Tenet, uh, 
promising young woman, uh, classic horror film, The Lodge, uh, Borat's subsequent movie film, and Run, a Hulu thriller. Um, it's one clear winner on this one. We did debate, uh, had a little back and forth, but the winner has got to be Christopher Nolan's Tenet. Just what a crazy ride. Literal roller coaster award given out by us. Undefeated. That's just, uh, that's what Nolan does, baby. He, uh, <laughs> he makes roller coasters. Yep. <laughs> uh, did you hear that he's, uh, um, he said his next film's probably not going to be with uh, Warner Brothers. Oh, shit. Yeah, dude. Who's he's he going jumping to, ship to? He's going to Universal, and he's going to open their next theme park. It's going to be huge. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> the Christopher Nolan ride? Yeah, dude. <laughs> There's going to be an Inception ride where they put you under. and <laughs> <laughs> That'll be amazing. Oh, uh, yeah. It's going to be... They uh, just induce... <laughs> hallucinations yeah it's gonna be crazy they're gonna be like uh uh that scene from uh uh the the dark knight where he uh the sky the sky plane thing the sky hook mm. yeah dude and there's this gonna be a part where you have to ride around in the truck with those two stupid cops <laughs> yep yep there's gonna be one of those um oh man there's the potential here is just through the roof um so anyway tenet had to be the winner Two years, two of, I don't know how many times we've had this award. Maybe four times, maybe three times. Uh, Nolan just knocking it out of the park. Jeez. He's the, uh, he's the Jack Nicholson of our, uh, of our <laughs> award show. <laughs> I think somebody needs to tell Christopher Nolan he's not quite as clever as he thinks he is. You can do it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tweet him. <laughs> tweet him. That guy probably doesn't even have an email address. <laughs> He's off the grid. Um, <laughs> all right. So the next award, this is another favorite around here. This is the Cream Dream Supreme Award. This is the most visually stimulating film of the year. And uh, nominees for this award are Possessor, Tenet, Soul, Gretel and Hansel, which I had to get on here. No one's talking about this movie anymore. But that, you know, that aspect ratio, those colors, the creepy imagery, it's, it's huge. And uh, finally, Lover's Rock, the Steve McQueen film. Um, I was outvoted on this one. There's a clear winner. Um, and that's Possessor. Brandon Cronenberg's Possessor. You guys love this thing. It's, uh, I don't know. It's, it's pretty cool. I'm not going to lie. It's pretty, it's pretty cool images that'll, that'll stick with me. your top ten? Yeah, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> so did Tenet and Soul. <laughs> what? Tenet's your number one. What? Yeah, they both. Made, yeah, they made me a list. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, but so it's in good company, right? But what? Possessor. Possessors. Yeah. You just said you guys love this movie, but clearly you do as well. If it was well, no. I mean, we're, Possessor would have been like number 16 or 17 on a normal year, okay? Okay. Possessor, <laughs> Possessor did not get five stars from me. Possessor, this is the first year where there's ever been non-five-star movies on my top 10. So, really? Honestly, probably yeah. me too. I always, I've always had at least 10 every year. So, you guys just dole them out, though. 
We're a little loosey goosey with them. Yeah, we just you know we watch movies, so (laughs) (laughs) more uh, more opportunities to does help see five uh, five star films. Um, so yeah, Possessor. I'm just Josh, and it looks great. Memorable images, those colors, pretty cool. It's a pretty cool film. Um, and we've got one last award to be given out here. Um, I don't think we settled on a winner, but uh, there's going to be a little back and forth here. This is the Hot Dog Garbage Award. Uh, this was also another reference to something Travis said. Um, <laughs> I believe we it were... It was not on the show, though, originally. Uh, yes, but we talked cold. about it. Yes. So if, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe it was the morning that we recorded the last Jedi episode. No, it was actually the night before on the way to my brother's house. No, it was the morning. You said it because no. you were hung over. No, it wasn't because I was hung over. I was trying to say two different things and I just combined them. <laughs> yeah, in the morning though. No, it wasn't in the morning. It was you were the trying there. to say hot dog? I wasn't saying much the morning of, dude. I was like trying not to puke and drive us home. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> why you said that. Remember you fucking no. uh, barfed in the uh, oh, bag or whatever? That. It was in the car, wasn't it? Yes, but it was on the way there. Why I would forget you... what I was talking about, but what was the two things that I was going to say? It was like... I want a hot, hot garbage, garbage and dog and shit. Dog shit, maybe? Yeah, you were, good, just... you were trying to say, I feel like hot garbage. <laughs> but then you changed midway through to say dog shit, and it came out hot dog garbage. Maybe. Maybe. I still think it was on the way there when I was talking about something completely different, but No, it's because you felt well, okay, well, anyway. I I don't I guess we don't remember, but uh that is where it comes from, Travis saying <laughs> mixing up his words. So this is as the title suggests, this is the worst film of the year. Now we don't enjoy being mean too much on this show, but you know we gotta to each other. we gotta have some fun, yeah. Unless it's at a one another's expense. <laughs> um, so you know we're gonna have a little fun with this one. So the nominees are Fantasy Island, The Jesus Rolls, The Gentleman, The Way Back, and really controversial pick here, but I love it. The Five Bloods. <laughs> you love the controversial pick? Or oh yeah. I love the fact that it's on here. Okay. I mean I gave it I gave that movie four stars, but just <laughs> the fact that it's on here I think is hilarious. <laughs> so we have not yet crowned a winner. Um I think The Way Back is the only movie well, The Five Bloods, I guess, but Tom's the only one who doesn't like that one. Um The Way Back is the only one that multiple of us have seen. So Fantasy Island was the worst movie I saw this year. Um, The Jesus Rolls, arguably the worst movie you saw, Travis. I know there's another uh, one that we may have had on here, but... (laughs) Yeah, it was pretty bad. Yeah. There's not one standout of the year, but there were a few that are at the bottom of my list, so... Mm -hmm. And then The Way Back is on here... Um, I didn't love that movie, but more so Travis. You liked it uh, even less than I did. So we got the way back on there. The Gentleman, that's uh, that's my uh, statement pick. Some people love that movie, but I thought it was a piece of shit, and it's garbage. And finally, The Five Bloods. This was, uh, I believe, Tom's lowest rated film of the year. Is that correct, Tom? 
tied. Yeah, tied for last with a couple others, a couple other uh, winners. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> of course. So um, we have not crowned a winner yet. Um, I guess we're going to pick one of these and go to bat for why it should be the worst of the year since only one of us have seen most of these movies. So uh, who wants to go first? Who's making their case? I'll go first. All right. The Way Back is my vote for the worst movie of the year. Um, mainly just because it just it felt like one of those movies that we've seen a million times and it's pretty heavy handed. Um, just the continuous shots of Ben Affleck drinking and I don't know. It was just so heavy handed. Not enough basketball. Kind of boring. Didn't really I don't feel like it really went anywhere either. I don't know. It was lame. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. Well, uh, I have to go as much as I would like to say the gentleman is the worst. Can't really make that case. It's for me, it's, it's fancy Island. I mean, just, just an abysmal movie. It is so, (laughs) so stupid. And it plays out 90% of the time, exactly how you would expect it to. And then when it doesn't, it's because it's just so off the wall, stupid that you can barely believe what you're watching. And it's PG-13, so you don't even have, like, titties to look at or, like, cool kills or anything. (laughs) It's horribly acted. It looks like shit. It's just a monstrosity. What was this movie for, Matt? Kick-Ass 2. Matt, take it down. (laughs) Fantasy Island is the worst movie. This guy sucks. (laughs) It also has a 1.8 on Letterboxd, which is... One of the lowest scores I've seen. That is not good. Yeah. Wow. I think even that sorority movie I told you guys I watched, The the Row, I think. I think even that has like a 1.9 or something. Like, that was horrible. (laughs) All right. Well, so that's uh, that's my vote. Uh, The Row has a (laughs) 1.4. Oof. Okay. Well... (laughs) Worse, but it, that movie is worse than Fantasy Island. I mean, <laughs> they're both one-star films, but I mean, neither of them are Halloween Two, Rob Zombie's Halloween Two, but you know, they're bad. Is the point? Um, all right, Tom, why don't you tell us why uh, the Five Bloods is uh, the worst film ever made? Uh, this is my my strike back at the critics who say this is a good movie. I really don't. <laughs> I really don't get it. I don't understand what's happening here. I don't normally, you know, go for the whole, hey, I think this movie got extra credit because of its subject matter or because of the the actors or because of the director. Um, but I really, I, I really cannot understand why this film got the acclaim it did. Maybe I'm the outlier here. Um, I was excited for this, but I just thought it was sloppy, boring, uh, poorly written. I hated all the dialogue, and uh, you know, it's it's got like the Spike Lee melodrama, but none of the magic. I don't know. It's just like it's not. We talked about do do the right thing already. You know that has melodrama and kind of uh, you know some hokey lines or whatever, but but it works, and it just doesn't at all in this movie for me. Um, and then to top it all off, it's like two and a half hours long. You just have to slog through it for so fucking long. (laughs) 
I just, I wasn't interested. I I checked out like 30 minutes in and I mean, I was watching, I was paying attention. I wasn't like on my phone or anything, but just suffering, not invested at all. (laughs) Suffering in silence. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Well, that's fair. I mean, I, uh, I liked the five bloods. It's definitely a messy film and there are aspects I don't like, but you know what? Uh, you're a hero, Tom. I appreciate your bravery. (laughs) (laughs) Um, okay. Well, what are we thinking? Uh, who are we? What are we crowning as the winner? Who uh, who made the most convincing case? I think there's like this uh, sort of poetic, you know, uh, for the way back. It's almost a little bit too on the nose to have Ben Affleck playing this character. I feel like he's not in a good spot these days. Yeah. <laughs> not based on all the memes that I've seen of him. He's critical uh... <laughs> <laughs> reception his movies get. Uh, so there's something, um, you know, darkly poetic about that. I, I could go with that, but, uh, you made a pretty compelling case for Fantasy Island, Matt, for why it should be the worst movie of the year. Um, I, yeah, let's, let's go with the way back. I'm cool with that. That was, uh, uh, Tom just saved you, Travis. That was, uh, I don't that know if I made the me. most convincing case, but I don't know, Matt, I was ready to give it to Fantasy Island. Should we have, uh... A, a double a double dog <laughs> double <laughs> a double dog the hot dog garbage award the double dog <laughs> I, think, yeah, I think hey it's been a weird year a tie is in order all right well for the first time in cinephiles digest history we have a tie so the co-winners of the hot dog garbage award i like to think of it as like a like two boiled hot dogs like slathered in like the shittiest chili you've ever had and then like some moldy cheese on top <laughs> in a crusty ass bun a stale ass bun <laughs> also moldy yeah also moldy um and the chili uh might not be uh it might be human meat or something i don't know it's it's mystery meat it's cold <clears throat> yeah cold oh, no, chili cold it's got to be hot Oh, super hot chili, but like an ice, like a boiled hot dog, but it was bo- it's been sitting in hot dog water for like five hours, cold hot dog water. <laughs> That's this award, and the two winners are Fantasy Island and The Way Back. Congratulations. You deserve it. <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to do it for our 2020 Blowout Spectacular. Thank you, everybody, for listening. This is the... um, We've been doing this show for four years now, right? Because our first episode was Best of 2016, and we recorded that at the beginning of 2017. Right. Yeah. Not quite an episode every two weeks. Um, You know, we missed some time there, but... uh, we're still doing it, it. Happens four years later. We're still doing it. So we're the uh, most underrated movie podcast on the planet. So absolutely, There's you heard it here first. No competition. <laughs> Self-proclaimed <laughs> best unheard movie podcast out there. Well, I would say most. Uh, well, let's see, most improved, six man of the year. Some there's some awards that could, uh, you know, could be assigned to us. This is our podcast is uh, beats 
of podcasts. It's the, you know, exactly. no one's ever heard of it, exactly. but <laughs> it's, it's a fucking banger. <laughs> <laughs> That's no, us. Honestly, you guys should check that out. It's it's really good. I know you guys aren't into rave culture, but yeah, I was a for little a period bit. of time um, after raves were cool, but. It there is, was a uh, time where raves were cool. Yeah, they were 1994, called 1994 Central Scotland. No, actually, they're called massives nowadays, not raves. Raves a negative connotation. Well, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I did um, experiment with the EDM scene for a few years, and it was a lot of fun. And this movie, Beats, brought feels back to me. So. Good stuff. Hmm. You guys should check it out. Everyone. Yeah. Well, I hope everybody listening uh, maybe found something that they hadn't heard of before that they now want to go check out as a result of our lists. Or uh, maybe you want to send us some hate mail. Anything. I mean, feel free to shoot us a message to cinephilesdigest at gmail.com. Let us know what you think. We will uh, be back in a couple weeks. Don't know what's in store, but uh, we will return. Thank you, everybody, for listening. 2020 was a hell of a year. Thank God it's over. We can all move on with our lives. And um, let's uh, just wait for uh, Cram Jam 2021. Am I right? Here, here. Let's blow the man down. We got to start rebuilding. Rebuilding the anticipation. Yep. Back. We just had the best night of our lives. <laughs> <laughs> now we're uh, back at the bottom of the hill, and we gotta climb back up. So absolutely. Here's to the next twelve months. <laughs> All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll be back. Peace out. Later. Later.